0: I'm I'm hesitant to get started, and I'm kind of just kind of getting everything set up because I'm currently um, in a uh, act of repentance in my own heart. Right now, I uh, was kind of brought to to tears back there because there was a series of of spiritual attacks that was kind of taking place on my heart before this morning, Um, and it's crazy uh, that that Satan would uh, would whisper lies. Um, just before I preach on the exact same thing that he's trying to attack me on. <laughs> Imagine that. I don't... Exactly. <laughs> I don't... Um, I don't live for the applause of man. I don't live for the applause of man. I don't... I, don't, I, I, I shouldn't live for the applause of man. It is... Um, it's a dangerous trap. It's a dangerous lie that we believe when we think that we have to please other people. We should care what other people think. We should care that people um, are testimony to other people, but we, we should not strive to please other men. Um, and it's just a, it's a crazy, uh, crazy cycle of, of, of death that we get into whenever we start looking at other people saying, what do they think of me? How can I? How can I make them happier, more pleased with me? It's it's dangerous. With that, with that, um, I am extremely honored to be able to uh, present our next step in uh, the letter to the Galatians. Um, it's been about a year since I've preached through this letter, um, and I uh, I was asked to on Wednesday if I would um, uh, pray about delivering a message today, um, and I get to, and it's super exciting because I like Galatians. There is a meme, if you guys do not know what memes are, it's basically pictures with words, and they're meant to be funny. But there is a meme out, and I sent it to Nick and Dwight and everybody like that. It's of this soccer player screaming at the referee, and the referee's kind of doing this, and the soccer player's screaming at the referee. And then you got this guy in the background that's looking at the the soccer player screaming, and he's kind of in the background going... He's kind of like frightened. It's a picture that somebody caught, and it was kind of titled. You had the guy in the background that was startled, just kind of staring at the other soccer player, and he was titled Timothy. And then you had the guy screaming, and he was titled Paul. And the referee was Galatians. (laughs) And so when you read the letter to the Galatians, you understand that that meme is not 100% accurate. But it, it does kind of drill the point home on what Paul is getting at. And when we read Galatians and where we are in Galatians in just a moment, You'll uh, you'll see why I say that. But uh, I'm actually going to start out by kind of telling you guys a little bit about my story. Um, some of you have heard uh, my story, but there's an aspect of my story that I want to share, and it goes exactly with what I just shared. I was born and raised in church, and at the age of 23 is whenever the Holy Spirit just wrecked my world. Um, at the age of 23, I was at a moment where I thought, had built my own earthly kingdom, and um, and it, it was it was unsatisfactory because uh, I was so I was continuously building it, but I had built this own earthly kingdom. I had everything that you, your heart could desire um, when you're when you're pursuing the things of this world. And then the Father sovereignly, at the age of twenty three, yanked that kingdom from me within one swipe, and I found myself on my knees, uh, repenting and surrendering my life to the Father. What a beautiful thing that is, and it's, it's a really good thing, but we're not all scholar theologians at the moment of redemption. What I mean by that is when you look at the life of Paul, you see that even after his regeneration at the road to Damascus, he spent three years studying, and even after that, he spent 14 years before he ever really even got going. It's crazy how I was born and raised in church, and how I heard the gospel faithfully preached to me all those years, and yet, at the moment of regeneration, I still didn't get the gospel. The gospel is simple, okay? The gospel is simple, but it's also very complex. And we're we're called our whole lives to, 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 to pursue the understanding of it. At the age of 23, I still wrestled with things that I even now I wrestled with earlier as I shared. I had this idea that after I surrendered my life to Christ and after I understood, "Oh, Jesus died on the cross for me, and, and he, I'm redeemed." And I had it in my mind. I wouldn't say this out loud, but I had it in my mind that I had to pay him back for what he paid, the debt that he paid, almost as if it was a loan. I had it in my mind that I would, uh, that I would okay, that I am redeemed, I have a new life, this is awesome, it feels good, it looks good, I'm being blessed by the Father, this is good, and so now I have to work my tail end off to pay him back. I wouldn't have said that out loud because I wasn't conscious of it, but that was the, the theological understanding I had of God, so when the church doors opened, I was there. I was there before they opened, I was there after they closed, I was there cleaning up, I was there doing this and I was there doing that, I was serving at events and I was studying the word. They said, read this, I read that. They said, pray this, I prayed that. They said, do this and I did that. And I did it to the point of exhaustion until I found myself at a moment of, I'm doing all these things and yet I'm finding myself unsatisfied. Why is this? It reminds me of Martin Luther in the Reformation and how he was, he was constantly, anyways, I won't get into that. That may take too long to talk about Martin Luther's life. There's a lot to talk about. But it brings, me, it brings me to the fact of that I was called to rest. I was called to rest in my adoption, my chosen. I was chosen and adopted into the kingdom by the Father and that faith is an undeserved gift. That's what I titled this this message, and it was crazy because I preached last year on Galatians. It, it, exactly where we'll be, Galatians three one through nine is where we'll be this morning. And, and if you have your Bibles, please please turn there and begin to turn there. Galatians three one through nine is where we'll be. Um, Nick has faithfully uh, preached through the first couple of chapters, and we've 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 witnessed that. And we're gonna we're gonna t- kind of take another leap into this third chapter. But I was called to rest and the adoption that I was chosen for, and I wasn't getting it. I wasn't getting it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there on my story, and I'll pick back up later, because it took a moment of realizing my motive behind obedience. And it's so crazy that this morning during, during this, the Sunday school time, how we were talking about all these. That's why I have this. I wasn't planning on bringing this paper up here with me. But it's so crazy how, how I'm looking at this paper, and I understand all these disciplines, And I was talking to somebody this morning, I won't call them out, but I was talking to somebody this morning about some specific disciplines, and it's all about our motive behind this. Well, let me kind of get started here. Before we pray or anything like that, when when you turn in your Bible, here is a common misunderstanding from most pastors. Most pastors will stand up and they'll preach from the Word, they'll say, turn to your Bible and just assume you guys know first off where to turn, and assume you know exactly where you're at when you had opened your Bible. Most people in, in the church have not been disciplined or discipled enough to even understand Galatians. That's a weird word. I've never used the word Galatians before. Where is that at? Let's look at the table of context. Great. Now that I know where it's at, i found it. What does this have to do with anything? Is this, what is this? Is this Is a book? No, it's a letter. Okay, I didn't know that. Most people misunderstand the context. And so before we get in, let me do a brief explanation of the context. Yeah, a couple, three words here. Systematic. Historical and literary. Okay? We need to understand that. Pastors, when they preach, they need to understand that. Teachers, when they teach. And when you're simply reading your Bible, you need to understand those three words. Let me explain it systematic, historical, and literary. Simple. Systematic is where we are in the story of God. It's the systematic is where we are in the story. Historical is just the history, right? And literary is basically why is this wrote? Who was this Row to and so forth? So basically, systematically, where we are in the story, in this book, is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was good. And at the apex of creation, God created man in their image, Imago Dei. In the image of them, he created them. Okay? We were created. Apex of what set us apart from the rest of creation and that we were autonomous beings, meaning that we had the choice to trust in God or to trust in ourselves, to have faith in God or to have faith in ourselves. Man trusted to have faith in himself in this tree that God did not say was bad or anything like that. He simply said, don't touch. There was a tree that we decided, no, we think we know best, so let's touch it. Now relationship is broken. God, fully justified, should have put us to death, poured his wrath out on us, did not. God is love. And so, made for us clothes, sent us out of the garden with a curse, but sent us out of the garden with a promise that one day an offspring of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, And this is in the beginning, and as we move forward, God began to bring that redemption to fruition, and he called through himself a people, starting with Abram, called to himself a people, said, in you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. In you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And out of that, it's a problem of a handheld mic, you gotta do that, but, and out of that, we get multiplication through people. God's chosen people began to multiply. Sin also began to multiply. As they began to multiply, God established a law with them. The Spirit could fall on them, but not the Spirit could not impart them, be in them at this moment. So in the old covenant, the Spirit could fall on them. And so God established a law with these people that were multiplying, this sin that was multiplying. And with that came the cycle of apostasy, where they would trust the Father and then trust themselves and there would be punishment. Trust the Father. Trust themselves. And that is a huge chunk of this book, where we go through judges and we go through priests and we go through falling away and we go through battles and we go through God's name being glorified in all. And then there was a series before we get to the New Testament of God, God's voice being silent. God was heavily at work, but God's voice, the Father, being silent. And we get to the moment where there's Messiah is born. The Messiah is born, and, and we get to where he, the Christ, born of a woman, not of man, born of a woman, lived a perfect life. The spotless lamb brought to the cross, and God's chosen people, Israel, throughout the Old Testament, Christ went to the cross faithfully. And God's wrath that we deserved at the garden was poured out on Christ. Was poured out on Christ, and he absorbed it in himself. He completed the work, died. And three days later, the Spirit of God raised him from the grave. Hallelujah. Our redemption is here through faith. We can receive that. Christ ascended into heaven. We move forward almost to Galatians where the Spirit comes. The first sermon is preached. The church is born. The church is born. What a beautiful thing this is. Paul is called into apostleship, and then we get Galatians. They're here. The church began to multiply. Paul planted, understanding that this letter to the Galatians from Paul was wrote around 57 AD during Paul's third missionary journey, okay? So this letter, Paul had planted this church, first missionary journey. Second missionary journey, he had went and visited them, and then after Paul had left his second missionary journey and started doing his third, there's this group of people that made their way into this church of this these people in Galatia, they were not Jews. Predominantly, they were made of Gentiles, and all Gentiles are basically you had God's chosen people, originally Israel, and you had everyone else. <laughs> okay, we're in the middle of Oklahoma. Most of us are not full-blooded Israelite Jews, okay? Um, I might be. I'm not sure. I was over there. They, a lot of the men kind of looked like me, big noses with, with beards and everything like that. I just was a little paler in complexion, but it's fine. But no, like... But you had you had these Gentiles who who barely if even knew the Old Testament law, and Paul presented the gospel to them. The Spirit fell on them. They were converted, and they were new. Jew, I mean, they were new converts, and they were only a few years old. And these Jews made their way in there, known as the Judaizers, and they came in and said, "Ah, one cannot come to the Father." Through salvation in Jesus, we recognize Jesus without first being circumcised. Sorry for the illustration. Without first being circumcised and obeying the law, then you can approach the Father. Then you can approach salvation. We'll get more into that in just a moment. Paul lovingly rebuked them, very heavily, as we'll read in just a moment. Very heavily rebuked them. And they were called back. It's this idea that they were presented a false doctrine and the Galatians received it wholeheartedly. It's a challenge that, that if you do not know your, your word, that if you are not discipled, that anyone can come along with a sweet talk and be able to talk you out of a pure doctrine. And that, honestly, a, a true pastor or elder that is called to preach the word of God, any one of us should fear our if our brothers and sisters are evilly persuaded, and we should we should strive. Again, I was talking to somebody this morning about this idea that that this person pursues and looks into the word of God and and, and is just not really getting into it. Okay, and this person was like, I. I, I don't want to be wrong. So when I read the word, I don't want to be wrong. And so when I tell people about the word, I don't want to be wrong. And I just kind of encouraged this person. I was, like, I was like, that's a good heart. Strive not to be wrong. Don't just popcorn through scripture saying this feels good and move on. Strive not to be wrong. Let's pray real quick. Father, before we read your word, Father, would you open our hearts? Would you open our minds? Would you open our eyes to the hearing to the reading and the, and, the, and the tasting of your word. Father, your word is lifeless without your spirit, and we need your spirit. Spirit, come, you've been in, invited, and we need you here. And as we read your word, let us understand that right now Paul is calling out to the Galatians, saying, come back and understand the pure gospel. Father, be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able to stand as we read the word of God, if you're not, it's okay. You're not sinning. It's fine. Um, But if you're able to stand as we read the word of God, uh, Galatians 3, chapter 1 through 9. Galatians 3, chapter 1 through 9. I'm going to walk through it. As you see from the very first three words here, Paul writes this, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Verse 2, "Let me ask you only this, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed they were, it was in vain." Verse 5, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God who would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Verse 9. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Father, would you continue, even as now, we, we could stop here, because we see this, we see your truth, but as, as now we expose the truths in your word, and we see this, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you help our hearts to understand a pure gospel? Be with us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be, you can be seated. I'm going to walk through this. Uh, the difficult part is whenever I talk about something like this and it's so passionate in, to my heart about the pure gospel, um, I, have, um, I have an issue with going over time. And so I will do my best to expose the truths in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I want to point out is this. If you get nothing else, it is the, one of the... Uh, as, as a bearded, reformed Baptist here, right... Uh, this phrase, this phrase, is 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 disliked among some, um, but nonetheless, Scripture preaches it uh, hard. Um, it is by faith alone that you have been saved. I think we'd all agree to that. But it is by faith alone that you have been saved. And before I get to anything else, I have to remind myself on a daily. On, a, on an hourly and almost a minutely, that's not even a word, but it works, almost on a minutely basis, that it is by faith alone that I have been saved. And it is not by my works, but it is a free gift of the Father. In verse one and two, the idea of adoption by faith alone. I'm gonna read it just real quick. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by, your, or, or by hearing with faith? Okay, think about this. Think about this. It's a call to remind us of the fundamental understanding of Christ's completed work on the cross is what this is. Understand this. He says, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So clearly, they've received the Spirit. They're not bewitched uh, people who weren't truly saved and then f- fell from the faith and they were never truly adopted. They just kind of obeyed. No, Paul recognized, they acknowledged, they are and have been adopted into the kingdom family. And he says, how did you receive that? Before these Judaizers ever came in and when I planted this church on my first missionary journey, how is it possible that you receive this it's the Judaizers that presented this idea that you have, for, have to first to do this before you receive this, then how'd you receive it without doing this? That's what he's saying. How did you receive it based on your own merit? You didn't. It's by faith alone. It's by faith alone. And so he calls them out for that straight up front, very strong language here. Now you kind of get that meme thing that I was, that I died whenever I, I first saw that. But then the second point here, in verse three through six, we read this. Are you so foolish, ouch, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness? This is a call to remind us that we are being sanctified by faith alone, not based on our own merit. What I mean by that is this. Um, Laura, she, she does something called Weight Watchers. I don't know if anybody anybody does that. She she does something called Weight Watchers. Oh, yeah, she said that she, yeah, okay. She does something called Weight Watchers. When we are thinking in the flesh, the way Weight Watchers is structured, you do good, and during your meeting, you get badges. Right? That's the way Weight Watchers this is done. She's got several badges. She's been doing great, by the way. She's been absolutely, it's been awesome. Except for last night, we kind of went on a date and ate like a lot of food. It's fine. But other than that, she's been doing really good at right, Weight Watchers. But based on a, on a human perspective, when we think of, of, of sanctification, what sanctification is, by the way, I know it's a big word, but what it is, basically, when you are redeemed. Until you're brought into glory, you are brought through a process of sanctification as the Father begins to shape and to mold you. As, as Nick said in our missional communities, kind of talking about the potter. The clay doesn't do anything. The potter simply, and the clay is just simply called to rest. And when the clay is being stubborn, usually the potter throws it up against the wall and restarts. Right? I don't ever, let's not do that. I've been thrown up against, it's fine. But the clay is called to rest as we're brought through sanctification, as we're brought through this. And here's the thing. We are not brought through sanctification by our own works. I point these out. I brought this up here for a reason because we go through these these five spiritual disciplines. There's more. I don't want anybody to raise their hands or anything like that, but do you do all five of these spiritual disciplines? If you do, great. If you don't, you should think about it, right? But if you do, in what heart do you do these in? In what heart in what manner, why are you doing them? I ask that because it, the way are when you think of all sorts of things, by the way, before I list these off, I am not, do not mishear me. I am not sitting here saying these things are bad because they're structured in this way. But when, when you think of like things like Boy Scouts, or you think of things like the army, or you think of things like this, and, and these human, man-made structures where these people that work hard, they do good, and they get prizes. And if they do bad, they get demoted or or fired or they get sent away or they get punished, right? And so they work hard to please people to grow. Think about the way sometimes, again, I'm not not putting my thumb on something, squishing it in the ground, but even our parenting, I want you to think about that for a second. Even our parenting. When we, our children do good, we reward them. when When they do bad, we take away. Again, I simply am saying this as a challenge. That's it. I'm still trying to figure out how, what it means. I'm, I'm 29 years old. I'm not 30, but I'm 29 years old. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm 29 years old. I do not have it all together, but I think about this, and what theological—I mean, Caleb's sitting right here, and so what theological imprints am I putting on him of his understanding of the Father? When he does good, I, I, I reward him, and when he does bad, I shame him. What am I telling him about the Heavenly Father? The thing is, when I was first redeemed, when I was first saved, I was, I was, thank you, Father. And then I worked to please the Father, as if he wasn't already pleased with me. And when I did good, I hey, I, take out, I took out the trash. Did I do good, Daddy? Right? Like, hey, I just, I, 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 I preached my first sermon. Was that any good? As if the Father's looking at me saying, oh, it's all right, you should probably do better next time. Imagine, imagine the, the turmoil that is inside my heart of not being able to rest inside the Father knowing that Christ completed the work on the cross. Back in verse one, it was before your eyes that Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Why now are you believing these Judaizers as they come in here and they tell you that you gotta do all these works to please the Father before you can approach the Father? He doesn't, God never said that. We are predestined to obtain faith. Verse seven through nine, we read this know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham, period. I'm gonna go back. Verse seven, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, most of us, by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Remember when I was going through the systematic understanding at the very beginning of scripture when God chose Abraham? He foreknew this that it was those by faith, right? Going back to verse eight, and the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. It is by faith alone that you have been saved. A reminder that even before we were born, God knew that we would obtain faith for adoption into the kingdom family. This meaning that our performance in the law had nothing, has nothing, and will have nothing, absolutely nothing to do with our inheritance in the family. The logic behind this, understand this, that the scripture says specifically that he predestined before the foundations of the earth whom he would choose, who he would call into his family, the kingdom family. Yet for some reason, before we were even born, we think that our good works inherited our salvation. How is it possible for you to work if you're not born? Right? How is it possible for you to work if you're not born? How is it possible for all the people that, for some reason, you you think that your good works in the law make you stand out so much that God says, "Ah, I want that guy. He's tall, dark, and handsome, and he looks like he can do some good work. So I want you." <laughs> That's not how it is. God gave us faith, faith, a free gift that went through faith. By God's grace, we have been saved, adopted into the family, and called into rest. As it was pointed out, we are called into rest. The first day when humanity was here on earth, as Nick said, we were called into rest. And out of that rest comes an abundance of fruit. Why are we trying to prove ourselves by our good works? Why are we trying to prove ourselves by just a a wonderful worship session? Why am I trying to prove myself? Myself by the way I preach? Why am I trying to prove myself by the way I, I work? Why am I trying to prove myself when the Father's already accepted me? As you can tell, I'm very passionate about this because of my misunderstanding of who the Father is. My misunderstanding that the Father loves me unconditionally and that when He adopted me, He didn't say, I'm adopting you for a trial period of three months and if you don't work, I'm kicking you out and I'm adopting somebody else. But he adopted me for keeps and that he loves me and I'm a part of the family, not based on anything that I've done. And these Judaizers that came in and they specifically said, no, you must work first. No, but last I checked, the Bible split up between two things. We have an old covenant and a new covenant and this new covenant is such a freeing experience. Such a freeing experience and it's by faith that we can inherit that. Charles Spurgeon, again, man, I am, I am feeling really reformed today as I quote these people. It is good. Yeah. Man, I'm owning my beard here. But Charles Spurgeon, you're welcome, you're welcome. Charles Spurgeon said this about faith. He says, faith is believing that Christ is what he said to be and that he will do what he promised to do and then expecting that of him. Faith is trusting in the Father that when the Father looks at us, he sees Christ. He doesn't see a messed up, broken human because Christ lived that perfect life. Christ died as a spotless lamb so we could be viewed as spotless lambs. It is by faith alone that we have been saved, that are being saved, and we will be saved. When I see these spiritual disciplines and it, it's 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 so good. But why do we read our bible trying to please the father? Why are we praying and worshipping trying to please the father? Why are we finding ourselves in silence and solitude trying to please the father? Fasting it, or or Shabbat, Sabbath trying to please the father. Yet he's saying, "I'm pleased with you." And because of that, and out of that love, and out of your rest, you do these things to just get to know me better. Stop trusting in your own work, your own strength, your own knowledge, your own intellect. To, to to try to get to know me, but let me just reveal myself through you, through resting in me, through these disciplines. What a beautiful thing that is! And honestly, I I worked on this this thought. The, the when you preach when you preach or when you teach the word to to people, you you try to hit three main things: it's explain the text, illustrate the text, and then apply the text. Right? Those are three main things. So all you preachers, I don't know who I think we're all probably called to preach the word. I'm pretty sure it says that in the Bible. That's what we're called to do. And I think when I think of the application, I simply want us to reflect. When you see the father, and when you think of yourself, do you think that the father is pleased with you? And if no is the word that just passed through your mind, it's one or two things. It's either you haven't been adopted into the family yet. And if the father's breaking your heart right now, That means he's calling you and he's giving you faith. Or the second is that you misunderstand the Father's love. The Father loves you. The Father loves you, son. The Father loves you, daughter. The Father loves you, brother and sister. Let's own that. Let's not try to work our way into anything, but out of his love, may we be just obedient and just rest. I think of the application of this, and I I think we just need to pray. And honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to close this in prayer. And I just, um, uh, the elders are here. And if you have a moment where you just simply say, hey, I just need to talk. I've, I've, apparently, I've got, a, I've got a bad theology. I need to understand the Father's love. Would you pray for me? We would love to pray for you. Let me just pray. Father, would you be with us? We've asked you over and over if you would be with us, yet you are here God, let us submit to you and let us understand that you are you are proud of your children, that you love your children. And that no matter what we do, if we've been redeemed and we've been born again, Father, you love us and you're here for us to correct us and to discipline us and, 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 and pull us through. But Father, ultimately, it's all out of love. You do not hate us. You are not displeased with us. Father, those of us in here right now that, 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 that just need to feel that, Spirit, would you come and would you comfort and would you guide and direct? Would you help us understand that the Father is, that you, God, that you, that you love us? God, give us a proper theology. God, give us a proper understanding of the gospel. We love you, Father, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you so much, Michael. Oh, man, it was a good word. Uh, let's give the Lord a hand. You know, as, as Michael was preaching, I, um, I this, this thought flashed across my mind. And that is when, when we, when, when people choose a king, we get Saul. But when God chooses a king, we get David. You know, and David didn't look the part. And, uh, uh, in fact, he was the run of the litter. Um, his dad didn't even think to call and get him whenever Samuel came to anoint a new king. It's like, can you even imagine, you know, talk about daddy issues and not being able to live up to your dad's expectations. But, um, uh, but, but I think about the way that we think about things. We're, we're very externally focused. Um, and, and I was also thinking there are two quarterbacks, <clears throat> I'm a football guy. So there are two quarterbacks currently playing in the NFL who are two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And uh, <clears throat> one of them is a guy named Drew Brees, right? Nobody wanted Drew Brees because he was little. And there's about 30 out of 32 NFL teams that wish that they would have taken a flyer on Drew Brees, you know? <laughs> um, <clears throat> and uh, But he's great, absolutely great. Um, the other is... Probably the, I hate to admit it, but probably the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, was a seventh round draft pick. Nobody thought anything of Tom Brady. He didn't look the part. But every other NFL team is wishing they would have drafted Tom Brady right now. Like, trust me, I wish the Cowboys would have taken him. Um, But, you know, think about what, think about that for a minute. Because I think what Michael said reminds me of something really important. Um, God's not looking at the externals. He's not looking for us to justify ourselves. He's looking at our hearts. And here's the cool thing about this. And Michael mentioned this and made a good point of it. God is the one who actually does the work of transforming our heart. So if God's doing the work of transforming your heart and God's looking at your heart, that's really good news for us. We just need to rest in Him and allow Him to do the work. So, um... I want to encourage you that if, uh, if you'd like to have someone pray for you, we're going to be available for that. We would love to pray for you. If you just need someone to minister to you, lay hands on you this morning, maybe just ask the Lord to help this to sink into your heart. Um, if you need counseling this morning, we're available as well. And, uh, and, and when I say we're, I mean the elders. <laughs> Dwight, myself, Richard, Michael, we're all, we're all going to be around. And we would love to counsel with you. If you feel like the Lord has pricked something in your heart that you need to work on a little bit, uh, we want to be available to you. And, uh, and we also want to pray for healing. If, if you have a physical ailment that you'd like for us to lay hands on you and pray for you about, we're going to be available for that as well. And last but not least, if you heard God for the first time in your heart today, like you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you maybe for the first time. Like this is the kind of message that God gets a hold of people. And you know that he's calling you and that he wants, to, he wants you to, to, to be justified in his son Jesus Christ. We want to talk to you about that too. So anyway, um, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. And may he use you to bless other people in his name this week.